myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is Kelly Archibald, host of the Kava the Podcast, a podcast about overcoming extreme difficulties. There are some amazing stories in this podcast. Check it out. Kava is Hebrew for, for come together. And so it's a very fitting title for the podcast. It's a very interesting and fun podcast listening to these people's stories and what they've gone through and how they've come out the other side better. And it's just amazing. And so there'll be a segment story. So check out her podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. In this episode, we talk a little about her podcast. Then we get into her fear of sharks, which takes us on an interesting turn around to other fears that may be the root cause of her being afraid of sharks. So let's get into my interview with Kelly Archibald. All right, we're here with my guest, Kelly Archibald, host of Kava, the podcast. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you are the host of Kava, the podcast, which is almost like you have like, it's almost like a mini series of a podcast. So you take a story and it's almost broken down. So you have to keep coming back for each installment of the story. Like I was listening to the story last night of the man who broke his back and became a musician. I think it's your latest episode. Yes. Robert Miller is, I think, who you're talking about. Yes. And um, people just tell their life stories. And so some people tell their life stories in not a lot of words, and some people have a whole lot of words. So it just depends on how long uh, people take. We've had people talk for 12 hours, literally, and we've had people talk for 30 minutes. So we just kind of let people um, share what they want to share. And then we take that and put that into kind of a biography of their lives. And so kaval means wait in Hebrew. And so a lot of people have had to wait for good things to come. Uh, we've had one of our first guests survive the Rwandan genocide. And so um, obviously she had to wait for a lot of good to come because they're just the upheaval of her family and her country and all of that has been crazy and very destructive. And so, um, but now she wants to help the mental health of her community, of her Rwandan community. And so, um, you know, just, I've gotten to interview amazing people. I've learned so much. I didn't know anything about the Rwandan genocide or about Iran or um, El Salvador. And so some of those war-torn countries, I've gotten to get a very real perspective on government, which I'm not really into government, but um, kind of how that help, um, affects people on a personal level. And so anyway, it's been super fun. I have enjoyed it so much. And it shows like it's such a it's such a it's almost like you're doing an audio PBS almost because it's very right. You perfectly come in and out with your narration because you'll have little segments where you kind of narrate and let's fast forward to all the stuff and then back to the inner and it's just seamlessly like you float back into the interview, which I can't imagine because I've just started this podcast and I can't imagine trying to edit that and back and forth. And well, I'm not good at any of that. I have because <laughs> I'm no, that's not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're sweet. But I just was like, I was just admiring that as somebody that now does podcasting. I'm like, Oh, it's amazing that they're able to stop, push it about 30 seconds down, right? insert little, you know, narration, pop right. back out. Thank you. Well, I, I don't do that. So <laughs> Douglas, who does that, and she's amazing. So thank you. And so what inspired you? Like what did, was there like a certain story that you heard pre-podcast that inspired you to say, you know, I want to do a podcast and share this? Right. Um, what happened was we would go to um, an in-house treatment facility 
called Sundown Ranch, which is for young people. They've either been um, sentenced or they can voluntarily be there. So um, we would go down there and my husband would tell his story and the children all would respond. And so I was like, cause my husband's story, it's on the podcast. He's, he is seven episodes. So um, anyway, he, it was, you know, a lot of um, mental health issues, abuse um, and eventual murder. And so the kids all would go up to him because he offered them hope because they, a lot of them came from situations mm -hmm. like that. And um, I was like, oh, wow. I never really put two and two together that his story really could help other people. And then um, we went to our congressman's funeral. His name was Ralph Hall. And they told a lot of stories that he would tell. And I was like, I never heard him tell these stories. And he was a great speaker. And I was like, that makes me sad. I would have loved to have hear, heard him say it. Um, and then a friend said, have you listened to this podcast? And I was like, what is a podcast? I didn't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. It was um, from, it was S-Town. Have you listened to that? I have not gotten to S-Town yet. It's, uh, you know, it's on NPR and I listened to the whole thing. Like, it's like seven hours. I just like binged and I was, it was fascinating to me. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And so then I just asked, um, I asked John DeFore um, if he would be interviewed and he, he recently passed away. He taught Miranda Lambert and Casey Musgraves guitar and songwriting. And he, um, and he was in Vietnam. He had a life of music and, and other than just that, but he, um, anyway, so he talked for hours and then I was like, well, what do I do with this? I didn't know what I was doing. And so then I, got help because I really had no idea. Um, and then just other people that we've been able to um, connect with. It's been amazing. Um, so that's how it started. It all just kind of fell into place. So because I was just fascinated. I was like some I was like somebody had to have a story that just pulled you in and you're like, why doesn't anyone else have this story? Why is this why am I hearing this secondhand? Yes. And I do feel that way about a lot of people. It's um, because people have amazing stories that um, really inspire me. And, and so then I had a friend who was a therapist and she said, you know, people can borrow hope from other people's stories. And so that's kind of a tagline we went with because that's really our goal is, mm -hmm. you know, if suicidal, they'll be able to borrow hope from these people who've gone before them and been able to, you know, overcome um, and not, not that anything's ever easy because when you've gone through um, difficulties, you know, whether it be war or trauma or whatever, um, you know, you kind of live with that. You walk with a limp, but, um, you know, you're able to live a functional life, um, whole life. So that's our desire. You know, I always envision people in the middle of the night who were sad or whatever and, you know, that they could listen and go, okay, things can get better. Um, and that's really, that's our desire for people. That's awesome. Uh, it's a very, because of the, your relationship with your husband and all the inspiration he's able to provide, it's, it's definitely, you can see the need for it. It sometimes it's hard to see the need when you're just in your day to day life in your own, I guess, bubble. Right. I had no idea that it was anything. So anyway, I got, I got a clue. <laughs> That's awesome. So you just try to break up the segments and just, I believe it goes for the longer people anyways, at least that have a lot to say. It's like, you know, you kind of break it to early, middle and where they are now. And and we, we don't ask very many questions. It really flows really well. It always does for some reason. Um, but yeah, we just kind of start with first memory and up where they are now and kind of the reflection. So. And so. You've kind of inspired me to do my podcast because, like, you were already doing your podcast, so I believe, because you came to, I believe, you're a fan of Leanne Morgan, and I was on that show with Leanne, and so we kind of connected there. And you are so funny. Like, you're funny in everything. Well, like, you're you. funny. You're, like, you're funny. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed you. I thought you were a hoot. Well, thank you. I pride myself on being a hoot. <laughs> I sound like Leanne Morgan. Yeah. You're from Tennessee? 
I've, I, I've, there, there's definitely like I said, there's. I felt like she should be on TV. That she could be like when I look at CMT or you know the the whatever the 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 T. It used to be the Nashville Network when I was a kid. Okay. There's like a kind. I feel like she could be their like their talk show host. I know, and everybody would talk to her. Yeah, I just think she's such a fun character. Like, yes. because she's so wholesome and unaware. And so I believe that anybody that come on, she's like almost mothering. It's like yes. talking to your mom. Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. But that was a fun night. That was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, the good old days. Yes. It, it's definitely, like I said, it's definitely changed. And with COVID, that's why I kind of really is like, okay, we we can go ahead and do this. Like, I had all the equipment and everything, and I just was like, okay, let's work up the nerve to ask people for interviews. It's something other than comedy. Like, I didn't want to do comedy podcasts. Like, I wanted to do some kind of interesting conversation, but not base it on just comedy. Right. And so I went with, you know, one of my favorite things to discuss is what people are afraid of, because it, you know, it's always such a, I would say, like, aha moment like for everybody like oh you that you know like it's people are always have an interest some people have an interesting fear and you're like how did that happen right yeah and so your fear is is based on one of my favorite movies of all time (laughs) well when i was uh, okay so when i was a little girl when i i remember i was like three so um i love jacques cousteau Mm mm-hmm and all of that and I thought that was wonderful and then um when I don't know how old I was I wasn't very old um but everybody Jaws was like huge and everybody went to see Jaws and um scared the bejeebies out of me like so scary I'm so scared of sharks now and still to this day I don't like the o- I mean I like the ocean I love the beach the beach, <laughs> but like the thought of like being out there and um, drifting. No, that's just not for me at all. So um, I don't like that. And anything touching my feet in the water creeps me. Okay. So you're, so you're, you're, a, you're a stand by the beach, not get in the water. Not a get in the water person. There is another thing that I thought of that I'm afraid of. And, and I'm kind of not anymore, but when I was three yet again, um, my sister's class went on a field trip to a park and I went with her and I, I, so like in this, I remember this so vividly, this little boy was swinging and a dog, a Doberman pincher, which, you know, they can be super sweet, but this one wasn't, um, it was biting at his heels. And so the owner told him to jump out of the swing and he did. And the dog attacked him and it like, I remember it like ripped the whole side of his face off. It ripped his, um, the back of his neck, like one of its teeth went down his ear. And I just remember my mom put um, cloth diapers on him and we took him to, our pediatrician was down the road and we took him to our pediatrician, obviously he had to go to the emergency room. And, and then he was, so he was in kindergarten. He was five in kindergarten. But then he was in the hospital so long that he was in my grade after that. So I was scared of dogs for a really long time, um, but I'm not anymore because I, I don't, I've just, um, I'm around dogs so much. So that's intense, like to see that what? happen. And I remember it like, like there are seeing, you know, certain pictures that I have in my head mind of what happened I so remember the cloth diapers on his face because because I was like that's weird that's not where diapers go you know (laughs) like all that you know making sense of such a weird moment so that was but I did like dogs were very scary and still if they're like a pack of dogs and they're real big I can get scared of that but the um but the shark thing just that doesn't go away so whatever you traumatize your children with, it sticks with them, people. <laughs> so did what do you blame your parents for taking you to Jaws? Is that what I'm hearing? No, no, no. I you know it's like it was huge. Everybody wanted to go, you know? It yeah. was just 
so huge. And now it's not that scary of a movie and the jaw, it doesn't. But when we went to like, I don't know where that was. I don't think it's at Disney. It's at, is it at the other one? Universal. Right. And you know, like going through all of that, that was scary too. <laughs> like, I know that's mechanical, but oh my goodness, that's crazy. And it's just a, it's such an amazing film because it's such an adaptation because Steven Spielberg hated the way the, the fake shark looked. Right. So he made it even more intense by just having just the anxiety of not seeing it. Yes. Yes. That's so, and that opening scene, that's what gets you, I think. For me, it's just like, you know, everything's fun and wonderful and like, la, la, la. And then you get out there and, you know, something kills you. And who wants that to happen? Yeah. I don't go very far in the ocean. Okay. So have you, have you seen sharks at the aquarium or is that like a no-go as well? I can see the shark. I mean, they can't get through the glass. <laughs> or like at the Dallas World Aquarium where you're like under them, you know, that's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. But I don't have um, any huge, um, I guess, paranoia. I don't know what that would be um, about seeing them at, in other. You know what I think it is? It's just the unknown. Mm-hmm. Like I know like if I'm walking under them or they're in a, in a, container I know that they're not going to be able to get me but when I can't see the bottom of the ocean or Mm -hmm. kind of like you don't know what's underneath you or you don't know how far you're going to go or if you're floating out there and I've never been in a situation like that and I will say like my middle child was like loved the ocean and had no fear and would just go way, way, way out and would scare me to death. And I hated that. It was like, get back here. You are going to get eaten and make all my fears come true. So um, being a parent at the ocean is super scary, especially when you're already scared of sharks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Did he ever like taunt you with that? Like just like drop into the water or anything? Just. Oh, my kids never listened to me. They just would, yes, they would just go and go and nobody paid attention except for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fretting and freaking out, but nobody cares. So <laughs> whatever. That's how you get them out. Just guilt them back out of the ocean. You know what? They just got hungry or something. And that's the only reason they came back. <laughs> it wasn't because of me. <laughs> so what about lakes? Is that still kind of. That's the same, because you know what? Alligators, they just got an alligator out of this lake over here. And it was big. And I don't like that either. And snakes, that's another thing. Oh, here's another story. When my dad was little, they would go swim in creeks. And so they were all running to swim in a creek one spring. And the first person who jumped in said, hey, don't, don't come in. This has, there's barbed wire in here. And it was a nest of snakes, of water moccasins, and he died. So, um, yeah, lakes, all the, no, I'm not into any of that. Because you don't know what's underneath you yet again. I think that's my theme, Ryan. I think it's like not knowing what's underneath me is my, my fear, really. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like a control thing. Like you have to know and be sure that it's safe. I guess. That's probably true. I have to know that it's safe before I can put my toe in. <laughs> and those things you have no idea, especially in Texas, um, on the Gulf Coast, you can't see the bottom. You have no idea, or any of these lakes around here. I have no idea what's underneath me. And it may just be grass or seaweed touching me, but it may be something that's gonna kill me. It's the unknown. Yeah. So. So how do you, how do you handle that? Like you just, that you just avoid, you don't try to, I guess you're not trying to conquer it for the most part. Gosh, no, I can't. Um, I'll get in a boat and I might get in the water out a little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't really have a huge need to conquer that. I am, um, I'm okay if I die and never go out in the middle of the ocean. 
I'm really okay. Um, no, I've never been on a cruise because um, I might get stuck out in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> so I might have some work to do, Ryan. So you cruises are also out. Like you just don't want to be stuck or the potential of a cruise, like either one. In the middle of nowhere. Because I've watched all those movies. <laughs> I watched Titanic and all the movies where you're stuck out there. Of course, they didn't get eaten by a shark. They got something else. But um, yeah, that does not appeal to me whatsoever. I just don't like the unknown and being stuck. I wouldn't go into outer space either. Would you go into outer space? Um, like If it was a last resort, maybe, but I'm kind of a homebody. And I'm sure it looks cool and everything, but I'm, I'm just not sure what the goal is of space. I love if it was a last resort, like we don't have anything on earth and we yeah. have to go to Mars, then okay, I'll go to Mars. But other than that, I don't really, yeah, I'm not into that. And see, yet again, movies, movies are a huge influence mm -hmm. when you think about people floating out in outer space and there's nothing to tether you or that's just horrible. You're going to get sucked into a black hole, right? Maybe. I mean, it's, it is just a large vacuum is what space is. There's like no air or anything. See, I like air. I like breathing and everything's stuck together. Like I don't want to disintegrate. So that wouldn't be my thing. So those are, um, yeah, I don't really try to overcome those fears. Like being scared of my kids, you know, of course, I'm better now that they're older, but you know, when they're little, so scared of everything, you know, scared of, of their dying. Um, and I remember when my son was little, um, you know, school shooting started and, and it would just be like, you hear a siren and you're thinking, Oh, there's a school shooting. Mm -hmm. Or it's like those fears of um, protection. And of course in our society today, Golly, we have so much of that has happened for those. I don't know how old you are, but my children's generation, they have experienced so much in their little lifetimes. Um, and I guess it started with the school shootings. And then, you know, we have September 11th. We have, you know, pandemic, all of these things that were so disruptive mm -hmm. has, you know, I was fearful as a parent for my children to be protected when they were away from me. And, you know, it's just, there's so much. Um, now that they're older, it's not, um, you know, I think, okay, they can probably take care of themselves, hopefully. Um, but when they were little, you just think, oh, that's so scary. I'm like nervous if I even had kids because I just don't know how to, I wouldn't know how to handle social media as an adult because I grew up with it. Like, I don't know how already having it, how to groom a child to be on social media and what to say, what not to say. Like, it's so much, there's so much there of just, just even that of just, you know, this is what you need to have for your online presence. Yeah. Now, my middle child, who was the one that went out in the ocean, had no fear, also was probably my first child to dive into social media. And she said people were so horrible to her <laughs> as a child. And, and we, you, know, you have limits and boundaries, but I mean, like Facebook, anything where people can uh, bully and say horrific things to you. And I had no idea that was going on. I just, I told her, I said, I remember your face would look funny sometimes, <laughs> like, like real sad. And she was like, yes. Yeah. And people said some horrible things to me. And, and she said, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to let my kids be a part of that because that's just, it really was um, destructive to her it really hurt her feelings and um, it just breaks your confidence as a, you know, like a teenager or yeah. whatever. It, it's ridiculous that, that strangers could just come in and say horrific things to you, which that's new in a society too. You know, like I might be able to write a note and say, Hey, Sally, Ryan's shirt is ugly or whatever, mm -hmm. but you, I'm just giving it to Sally and it's on a piece of paper rather than putting it 
for the world, worldwide web to see. Yeah, but it's such a it's such an instant gratification, I guess, system that it's set up to in the moment I'm going to get 20 likes by by tearing this person down. And so yeah. that's as somebody that was bullied a lot, like people didn't say it online. They just said it to me. And so then I would just be neurotic and just, you know, walking down the halls like, you know, with the scarlet letter of people telling me what I look like, you know, and that, you know, both of those are equally destructive, but it that's easier because they can wear a mask. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to reveal if they're a co-student or anything. Mm-hmm. They can just make up something, come right. at you, and then just sit in the shadows. Right. Yeah. Being vulnerable is um, very uncomfortable. And especially when you um, are honest and then people stab you and are ugly and, Anyway, so that's hard. It's, um, I wish we had a kinder, I wish people were kinder. <laughs> so, and it weren't reinforced so much. Like you said, you get 20 likes if you're ugly, but nobody really cares if you say something nice. Yeah. It's just, or, you know, maybe they do. It's just, but it's one of those things of it can go either way. So, why, you know, so if you're, if you're unafraid to, push you know those boundaries then you're gonna go for it to just try and see if people will like you because you're insecure so you're going to use that as a weapon yeah absolutely um those are i think that's all i can gosh i have a lot of fears now that i've you're a therapist thank you for unpacking this (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's that's why it's kind of why I chose what I did because it's like there's nobody else is kind of actively doing this kind of podcast, but at the same time, ninety nine percent of the population is afraid of something, and so it's always interesting to find out what fears are out there. Yeah, and you know, I think that um, obviously, you know, I my most recent um, episode that I released. Um, her name is Dr. Erica Steele, and her mom had bipolar and multiple personalities. And so now she has a holistic family practice where she, um, you know, targets um, helping people have can have healthy lifestyles and healthy patterns. And, you know, I think that when you grow up that way, um, you're, you know, how you're wired and how your brain functions and your thought process goes to um, negative things and fear. You just automatically go there. And so I think that learning to um, reframe your thoughts is so huge and, and, you know, try to overcome with that. Um, So, and we, have you watched Made, M-A-I-D on Netflix? I have not. Okay. It's so disturbing. I mean, like it's not disturbing, but it's hard for me to watch because the mom has mental health issues and there's abuse and there's trauma. And so just to see that in a real mm-hmm. uh, situation and, and how scary things can be, it's, um, it's hard to, it was, it's been hard for me to watch. Of course I'll watch the whole thing. Um, just about just because it's super good. Um, it's just, you know, operating out of fear is, um, I think that's what a lot of us do. We just, um, you try to do things that help you not be afraid. And so, you know, rather than unpacking and going, what am I really afraid of? And what's my core issue here? Um, so I think that, um, operate, I, and I have operated out of fear, especially when my kids were little, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, um, as a young mom, you just want to protect them and for them to be okay. I think that just never goes away, though. As a as a parent, like even now, you right. there's still a little bit of worry because they're out of your domain. Yeah, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what they're doing out there. <laughs> you know, once they're uh, they're out of your, you know, your little umbrella, you just are not aware that they're in danger. (laughs) But you also like you, 
as a parent, you've equipped them with the skills to, I guess, you know, make those choices and, you know, go through life with, you know, the values. Hopefully, and hopefully the people are safe, you know, that they're around, you know, mm-hmm. and no, you know, you have no protection over that. So you trust that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Then you'll have grandkids and then you'll be able to spoil them. I want to get a swing set. Just in case I ever get crazy. I don't have a swing set right now, but you know, so they'll want to come over to my house, <laughs> whatever, whatever to bribe them. Like how you're already advantageously thinking of how to bribe. Yes. Cause you just never know. <laughs> you want it to be fun at your house. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to have a, you know, a stuffy grandmother house where you can't touch anything. Mm-hmm. I want to be a fun well, maybe, I guess you won't be taking them to the beach. I guess that's not where you'll be taking them. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I'll be super particular. I've already watched those young moms on the Instagram who have all the beach things set up for the babies. So I've got that in my toolbox. So I'll just follow them. They're smart. Those The young moms are super smart these days. I was not that smart. <laughs> Well, I think people just learn and it's in when you're a young mom, I think you also have you you have the, I guess, advantage that you have your parents also to lean on as well. Absolutely. But yeah, I could probably take them to like Carlsbad. I think that's pretty safe beach. Um, we go there quite a bit. Um, so I could do that. And but there'll be limits. And then, you know, if there's a lot of adults watching, then I'm okay with that. So, (laughs) but just don't go far in the ocean. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably get a grandkid that like wants to swim to the Cuba or something. Yeah. But I mean, you'll also have your parent, your child there worrying the same as you are. Exactly. It's like, welcome to the club now. Because yeah, it's easy. I think as you get older, you kind of, understand what your parents were trying to do like you can kind of see their motives and intentions versus when you're young and it just seems like it's you know yes you want to hang out no you don't okay drawing conclusions from that like okay you don't want to see me this weekend obviously it's not it's something you don't want to see me period you because you're a kid you kind of have those like i guess snap complete decisions Yes, absolutely. And I think, yeah, you just, and we're egocentric, mm-hmm. you know, everything, you know, when you're growing up and that's just, you know, appropriate developmentally until it gets to a certain point, you know, that you're not egocentric anymore. Yeah. So we've kind of gone from sharks to the unknown, that it's the unknown, that the, they're just metaphorical sharks and swimming around. Yes, there are metaphors sharks yeah that's a good point always and you never know like okay this is off topic probably but we um there's an older person that we know that shared recently that their wife was murdered by a serial killer um his name is it's the one up in washington oh the i5 ed bundy okay uh, his wife was murdered by him. And it's like, I just have no idea. Like that really happens to like normal people that we know. Mm-hmm. It's like, there are sharks out there all among us. And that's scary too. And I'm like, please don't let my children get involved with someone like that. Who obviously had the ability to appear um, attractive to people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a shark right there. Because, you know, people didn't know this, you know, the serial killers. You don't have any idea that that's what they're doing because they're all nice and get get you in their trap somehow. That's another thing, an unknown shark out there. Yeah. I never thought of, you know, like that that as, as being potentially prey for any kind of thing. Just, you know, even in human life, just being per- walking prey. Who thinks of that? Like the all of us over here who are just la da, we have no idea that that's 
you know, what someone's thoughts could be. That's just, you know, because it's not within our, our value system to think that you would do that or want to do that, want to harm someone else yeah. at all. So, yeah. And it's for ego, I guess, purposes. Like, they're, it's to satisfy, I guess, their ego that they can hurt you and get away with it. That's so weird. That's a whole nother ball game that I don't want to be a part of ever at all. So as a parent, if you, you said you've, you've kind of, you've gone through the whole gamut of that. How, how do you kind of, I guess, balance that fear of unknown? Is it just, you just, you just rely on the fact that ha- what the values and just the life that you've, you've provided and I guess, mo- I guess inspiration, just kind of keep it at bay. Yeah, I, well, and I pray for my children like crazy. I just have to trust that God is good and he has good stuff for them and, and pray that they'll be protected because I have so little control over things. Just, you know, you think of, obviously we had a pandemic and when that struck, um, my daughter was in California, my youngest, and, uh, you know, we had no idea what was going on initially and so in her school closed down so she had to come home and you know when she's flying home I'm like stick neosporin up your nose (laughs) you know like I don't know you know we have no idea what this is or how this is getting it you know how this is spreading and you know obviously she wore a mask and then you know but I'm like I want you to do more than wear a mask I want you to um you know, protect yourself as much as you can because we just didn't have any idea. So that's all been nuts. Yeah. I just saw the door open. I don't know if a dog came in. The dog came in. Yes. <laughs> that's how you handle your fear. You just let your dog. <laughs> yes. My dog, you know what? It's great therapy. They should be in all um, nursing homes and things because petting your dog is a good thing. <laughs> so, but um, how do, that's, you know, all the things, all the unknowns, like a pandemic and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, wars and all that stuff, you know, Afghanistan, you just, you don't know what's going to happen next. And so you just have to, um, it's too big. I, I can't handle it, you know, and I trust that my children, yeah, do have enough sense to make, you know, wise choices. Yeah that they've seen you make the, you know, they, they've been with the, you've been with them at these crossroads before and you've told or shown or given them, okay, this is the choice you usually make. If you make the other choice, these are the consequences. Right. And based upon the consequences of each choice you make, we, I'm, I have faith that you will make the right choice. Right. Hopefully. Oh, of course, growing up is hard. I mean, you're going to make the wrong choices, but you also need to learn, okay, with wrong choices, this is what comes with that. And, you know, I think that it's a very, it's a very humbling, like you said, it's egocentric, but not, nothing humbles you more than a wrong choice. Absolutely. And the consequences of that, boy, that can rock your world big time. Absolutely. So. But you kind of, it, it, it lets you, it's, it's a very good learning tool because you, you learn from that to, okay, I understand now, okay, some of these choices, because it can be easy to make the wrong choice when there's no consequences and be okay with it. But once you have these negative impacts, that you know, that you kind of, that like you said, with the Jaws movie, like they stick with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that people are often, um, they're either, uh, road trippers or, um, or book, book learners, you know, I was more of a road, you know, a field tripper, you know, like you Mm go, you have to learn for yourself. You're not going to parents, you're going to like go on your field trip and run around and do all the bad things. And then you get stuck with consequences. And, um, and that's a life is a, is a very good teacher in, in those things. Um, you know, there are certain people who just listen to their parents and do the right thing. Um, so, but I'm not, I wasn't like that. My husband wasn't really like that. Well, he was probably more of a, he was probably a more of a book learner. He just had a lot of dysfunction, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
but um, anyway, but yes, that's, um, it's a hard teacher. Some of those consequences are intense. Yeah. Like my mom told me that she, when she was younger, she picked up a hitchhiker because she lived in Beaumont and she like was driving to Houston or something. And she said she picked up a hitchhiker and I'm like, what I I I just couldn't process like the fact that you would you know somebody that took care of me would pick up a stranger and she's like he was he got really weird and she said she like went to a bar and said she was going somewhere and then ran out to her car and drove away yeah that's scary no I wouldn't pick up I did I did okay I blonde hair and I'm blonde. I did um, give someone like a worker on the side of the road, my driver's license one time information. They like stopped me and they wanted, they're like, give me your driver's license. And so I did. And then they started calling me all the time and at my house. And my parents were like, what in the world? You know, I was like 16 clueless, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but like that was authority to me. And so I just did it. And it's just some creepy guy that wanted to call me. Um, but you learn those things. My parents were like, don't ever do that again. If it's a police officer, okay. I was like, okay, construction worker, no. Police officer, yes. Okay, got it. And the, just the boldness to to just stop a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just, a, that that blows my mind too, to, to have that kind of nerve to to even ask for that. Yeah. Well, you know, well, yeah, I know. It's just, I don't know. People, people operate differently, but your mom, yeah. Hitchhiker. That's. Yeah. I I was like, you, you know, I could not be here right now because. Right. You made that choice. And I was like, just, I was like, I don't, you you just, you're just a con, you know, you're a young person. You're you're trying to be nice and, and, it's like, yeah, the being yeah. nice, you can be nice, but at the same time, it's like, you you could have been, it's just hard because the world makes it so hard to be nice. Okay. I'm going to go to something else being a parent of, you know, I have young adult girls um, and the Gabby Petito thing. Have you watched that? The police, do you know who I'm talking about? No. So her, she and her boyfriend started this, um, you know, cross country trek and she was going to be a travel blogger. She was like 22, I think. And, um, he, they show the boyfriend, um, people, several people saw him like hitting her and things like that. So they, the police come to their RV and she is such a precious girl and she is trying to do things right. And she was taking, she was like, I was, I'm OCD and I was cleaning and I I'm working and, and I need to calm down. And anyway, it ended up that like there's a nationwide hunt for the boyfriend he's missing, but she was murdered. And so watching that little video where like, she's really nice and, you know, she's trying to be nice. Mm -hmm. And it's like, at what point do you stand up for yourself and go, you know what? I can't, you know, obviously they had a relationship that was abusive Mm -hmm. and it's like, at what point do you just stand up for yourself and go, you know what, this is, I don't have to be nice anymore. And, and so situations, and I think for young women they it's really hard um because you're kind of taught to comply and go along Mm -hmm. and all that Um, so i think you know your mom we're all in the same boat in trying to be nice yeah um some of it is dangerous yeah i i do feel like i i feel like we are i guess there are things that i think women today are teaching their children that i don't think were taught to my generation or even before, you know, of certain things because I can kind of see the what I what I refer to usually as the man that says, you know, that compliments a woman like you you look so beautiful. You're taught that that's a compliment, and when a stranger compliments you, now I feel like when um you know a strange a stranger compliments you, okay, that's a red flag. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and social media, you get all those DMs like, Hey, beautiful. And I mean, cause they're saying it like that. They're not saying, Hey, you're beautiful. Yeah. They're not you know, they're creepy. And, and sometimes I think for young girls, obviously they don't know. Mm-hmm. They can't, they don't know those nuances yet that this is, you know, this is probably not safe to um, even interact with, but yeah, they may consider it a compliment, but, but you really do have to teach them like, mm, that's not, that's just a, a manipulation. And that's what I think is, it's so hard for, I guess, the older generation to understand is because it's like, they're stuck on the, I was taught, this is what it means. That's what I mean. But I'm like, today, as like people are realizing that there are people that abuse that and, and they're now prepared for that. And so instead of that being a compliment, they'd rather just be treated as an equal with a hi, how are you doing? Yes. And not, you know, not if someone has a, an ulterior motive, it's like, you know, you'd rather know that don't be all sneaky. Yeah. It's just a, it's just amazing, I guess, change because it's hard. I like you're, like you're saying your kids are probably wanting, you know, all these changes in society and they're, they're clamoring for it, but I mean, it is, and it's just hard to tell them that it, it takes a long time for this kind of change because there are a lot of people that silently don't want to change. And it's right. hard to get those people to either change or, you know, move on, pass on, or, you know, wherever, you know, their life takes them to. Yeah to kind of move forward because we are moving forward slowly, but steadily. There's a lot of things that I've seen over my lifetime that have, that are getting better. It's just at the pace they're getting better is not something that the younger generation with all the Amazon and being able to buy with one click and, you know, it be at your house two days later. Mm-hmm. It's just not there for, for a lot of social change. Social change isn't an, an, something you can get on Amazon no, not at all. Not at all. And it is, and I, and you do see like, um, I know a couple of people who are, um, documentary filmmakers and they did, um, it was called seduced on Nexium, that yeah. cult. Um, you know what I'm talking about anyway? Um, but you know, there are a lot of things that are coming out, um, you know, about the things that have gone on in Hollywood um, of, you know, the Me Too movement and all of that. So things where there were a lot of systems in place that were very abusive to young women. And so, you know, having a platform for people to say, hey, this is not right. Mm-hmm. And this happened. Um, I think that's good. And I think for my, you know, that's one start. It's just changing the yeah. behavior, you know, hopefully that'll go on and more will happen so i know exactly what you're saying but it's not it's never fast yeah and also i would say just be honest and just be like okay this is this isn't these are the things that are not okay you know and just kind of say hey to the to the young men i guess the next generation young men these are the here are the do's and don'ts when it comes to Right. Instead yeah. of all this on the on the back end and people like, well, maybe, you know, it's it, I believe that I feel like that would remove less doubt and, you know, just kind of be like, OK, because if, if I had a young son, oh, it would be hard to explain. It's like it's hard to explain attraction and everything else because it's such a it's such a fluid situation. Yes, Absolutely. Where it's like, yeah, maybe they do like you, but that can also change. And you have to you have to kind of be aware that it can change. And so you don't keep right. You don't right. keep operating on the thing that she likes me when maybe those right. that that has now waned and she's now that's like somebody else. Yeah. It's those nuances and girls are good at those subtle nuances. We all are, or we're we're programmed to be because we're all pack animals, and so we have <laughs> we right. have a lot of we have a lot of social nuances and body language stuff that 
some people pick up on some people don't and it's it's very it's very you have to be very cautious and very aware and also be able to i guess silently convey that your your intent and it's but with hand placements and body language as someone that's not good at social cues like it's i can't imagine you know trying to teach like a son or a daughter okay when you when you do when you give off these kind of vibes this is what people how people will respond so if they're avoiding you because you look nervous it's because they don't want nervous energy in their group and mm-hmm. so you have to you have to learn how to kind of harness that anxiety so that they're not put because your anxiety is telling them in basically caveman details that they're in danger. You're in danger. And so hanging out with you is putting them in danger. So they're not going to hang out with you because if you're always scared, they don't want, they don't want that feeling in that group. And so they're going to move on and they're going to then pick at you. They're going to say things to you because they know you're scared to get you away from them. It's a, it's just all primitive no, we had a dog. We live out in the country, and somebody um, dumped a dog out here, and uh, we just loved it and thought it was so cute. And it, but it had a seizure disorder, and the other dogs were so mean to it. I mean, like they wouldn't let it be a part of their pack, and they would pick at it, and it was just awful. Bless its heart. We loved it. We loved the dog, but um, but I know exactly what you're talking about um that happens you know with people and bless their hearts we're supposed to be kind and gracious to people and you know um but i know what you're saying it's a lot um a lot of interactions and there's a lot of pressure on people these days um to be a certain way that people maybe aren't necessarily like you know and i think people you know they're really people who are savvy and that know how to talk and are like, um, know how to schmooze. Um, like those people seem to be elevated. And it's like some people with like a pure heart and real sweet may not know how to do all of that. And so they get overlooked, even though their intents and motives may be better than the schmoozy person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's super hard to teach and to, to know how to process, even as an adult, you just go, that's not right. You know, it's <laughs> not right at all that that person gets to succeed and they're really horrible, but they appear okay. Yeah. I would say as a society, we just need to learn to play to our strengths. And also I would say just be okay with not joining the pack and speaking up. Mm, right. I feel, I feel so many people just will go along with, because again, it's we're pack animals. And so they don't want to be the center in the ranks. And so they will, they will follow the group. And sometimes you have to tell a group, Hey, this isn't right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I love, so some of the things that I have loved um, in doing the podcast is, you know, I have um, a guest that survived the El Salvadoran civil war and, um, and Iran, um, she was persecuted for her beliefs and her church was hanged. Um, and so, you know, getting to see some people who really um, were super brave and standing up for other people and um, just living out their value system, even when nobody else is doing it, um, it is pretty incredible uh, to see that and to be able to, that um, that I get to share those stories. It's like, yeah. they didn't go with the pack. Um, they went with their value system and, and, and it really cost them something, but they felt like the, the cost was worth it. Yeah. And that's super important. Absolutely. Kelly, I appreciate you doing this. This has been a great conversation. Where can people find Kava or you on social media? So it's kavalpodcast.com and that's Q-A-V-A-H podcast.com. And then um, Kaval the podcast is our social media. 
on you know Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is awesome. I I appreciate you doing this. I I look forward to more episodes where you're very inspiring. Thank you. So are you, and you're very funny. And yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kelly. So that was Kelly. Man, what an interesting conversation to t- to start with one fear and then just kind of loop it and find that it's actually linked to this other fear of the unknown and how how you can kind of go down the rabbit hole of other fears that you have that are just that just kind of branch off like it's a tree of of anxiety that you just run through. Kelly's an amazing podcaster. Check out her show, Kaval the Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's definitely awesome. The Stuntman episode so far is my favorite. Uh, the one that basically is the Brad uh, and the movie uh, Brad Pitt was in with Vin- or Quentin Tarantino. That's the character... The character's based off of him, and that's a really fascinating story. I just can't think of the movie right now, and I can't grab my phone. Uh, as for me, uh, I just did a week of soft opening for TK's in Addison. It's a really, I guess, exclusive comedy club um, as far as like the clientele. Uh, had a great time. Met some new interesting people. And just got home and passed out like a responsible adult. As for me, I will be in Wichita after New Year's Eve. I'll be at New Year's Eve. I'll be at Backdoor Comedy Club. Then I'll be in Wichita, Kansas. Then I'll be in Oklahoma City at the Looney Bins. And then Fort Worth, I will be recording my album and featuring for Rob Little. So check out those shows. I got more shows probably coming up as 2022 kicks off with a roaring start. I'll have some new guests. Uh, and hopefully we'll have a great year on 2022. I'm hoping so. Um, if you like what you hear, leave a review. Uh, that would be great. Uh, if you have feedback for the show, send me a message at somefearfans at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, next week's Christmas, so I hope you guys have a happy holidays. I'll release an episode, and it'll be... A fun season, and then New Year's Eve, we'll probably I'll probably release uh, Diego Rangel's for New Year. So thanks for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Have a wonderful holidays. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O, like water. You can also follow him on Facebook, Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S, at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there, and you can check me out at RyanPerio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. 
Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening.